Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 8.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. season of Lent, as evidenced by all the purple, it's time for us to enter into a new worship series. And just as Advent was preparation for Christmas and our theme in Advent was love came down, our theme for Lent is love goes out. Because Jesus didn't just come to us and then we packed him away with all the Christmas decorations and stored him for next year. No, Jesus came down in the babe of Bethlehem, grew up to be an adult human being, and then went out. Too often we forget about the going out of Jesus. That even though Jesus was a religiously observant Jew, even though he dutifully went to the synagogues on the Sabbath, and even though he made his offerings as he should at the temple, Jesus was more than just religious observance. Jesus went out into the streets. He went out into the homes. He ate meals with sinners. He gathered at the gates of cities, and there he spoke and taught. There he showed people what mercy looks like, and he encouraged them to enrich the world with acts of kindness. Jesus was the embodiment of going forth because he knew in his omniscience that if he didn't show us what it looks like, we're not likely to figure it out on our own. And so Jesus came down and he went out. Jesus Christ, who was the epitome of love in human form. God, who is known as love in its most perfect context, came to be here on earth with sinners just like us, and did not stay, but went forth. And so as we are preparing ourselves for our annual celebration of Easter, it is only appropriate that we use this time to look and see what it might look like for the love that we have received from God, that we have for God and for one another, to go out into the world. What does that love look like, and why would we bother? Well, if you go back into Scripture, you'll find out that even though Jesus was more than happy to go to the synagogues on the Sabbath, they were often kicking him out and telling him not to return. Even the synagogue in his hometown, they told him to leave. Because he dared to read from the scroll of Isaiah and pronounce to them that he had come in fulfillment of the Messianic prophecy, that he had come to set the captive free. They didn't like that very much. And so he started traveling to other synagogues, and go figure, they didn't like that message either. And eventually he found his way to the temple in Jerusalem, and there he turned the tables, literally, and he kicked some of them out. Because what they brought into the temple was not what God had asked. They had brought their sinfulness in, and they had not taken God's grace out. And so he kicked them out. 
And there, basking in the presence of God the Father, he spoke to his disciples and he told them that they had work to do. Now, we don't work to earn our salvation. That is not our theology in United Methodism. We don't have to earn it because we can't. We're not capable. There was a man in my last church who wouldn't come up for communion. And I saw this, you know, sometimes you watch and you go, well, maybe we're getting a comfort level and then, you know, another month goes by and still he doesn't come up. And eventually I went to him and I said, this is going to be a little forward, but why don't you come up for communion? And he said, I don't feel worthy. And I said, you're right. We're not worthy. We don't come to communion because we're worthy. The people who come forward to receive communion aren't worthy. Twice, the author of Ephesians tells us, by grace, we are saved. By grace, we receive the ability to draw forward before our God, to stand righteous. It is not because we have earned it, because it is bequeathed to us. It is because it is an act of God's grace that we can do so. You can't earn grace. Grace is God's unmerited favor. So if you merit it, then it's not grace. But grace encapsulates for us all the goodness that God wishes to pour out on all of humankind. It is filled with blessing. It is filled with pardon. And it is filled with God's love. And none of us are worthy of any of that. Instead, it is ours, freely given, because God wishes to bless us. God wishes to let us know that in spite of our sinfulness, our often willful disobedience, in spite of all the things that we have said and done, God still loves us and seeks to be reconciled with us. Grace enables that to happen. So when that gentleman said to me, I don't feel worthy, and I said, you're right, and his eyes got a little squinty, I told him, none of us are worthy. I am not worthy. I am not here because I am worthy. I am here because I am called. All of us are here because God calls to us. God calls to us in our hearts, in our heads, in the fibers of our being. God says, you are mine and I love you. Come to me. And so we draw close, we come for worship, we come into this sacred space, we gather here because something deep within us says this is home. And we come and we bask in the presence of our God. And here, in fulfillment of Jesus' words, wherever two or more are gathered, here he is also. Here in the presence of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we draw together once more to feast at this table, a taste of what will come. That there will be the day where there will be no hunger and all the lambs of God will be fed at an unending banquet in the kingdom to come. This is just a glimpse at that truth. And none of us are worthy. But we live in a world where entitlement and Christianity have been unfortunately linked. We live in a world where people find out you're a Christian and they have things to say about that. Oh, Christians are hypocrites. All right, I got work to do. When I tell somebody I'm a pastor and they go, no way. And I go, yes. And they're like, of a Christian church. Yes. 
I know it reads Wiccan. I get it. I get it. But it's not. I'm a Christian. You don't look like a pastor. What does a pastor look like? What does a pastor sound like? What does a pastor do? What does a pastor wear? What is it? The only requirement of a pastor is that a pastor leads and shepherds God's people to be more like God, to be more graceful, more loving, more benevolent, more merciful. That is my job, and I am not the most qualified. I am not the most deserving of this mantle. I'm sure there are people who go, what have y'all done? The difference is that I am called to this. And there are plenty of days where I put on my vestments and I lay this mantle over my shoulders and I feel it on my neck and I think, God, I am not worthy of this. Who am I? And like all of those servants that came before me, countless men and women all the way back to Moses who said, God, who am I that you would have me do this? I've learned my lesson, though, from Moses. I don't follow that up with send somebody else. I tried that for three years. Send somebody else. And God said, no, I'm going to send you. Just like today, we all gather in this place, and some of us are going, send somebody else. And God is saying, I'm sending you. I am sending you. I am sending you in your fragile state. I am sending you in a broken state. I am sending you in a place where you don't think you're fit or worthy or capable or equipped or educated. I am sending you because God has learned to show the world that perfection can be carried in imperfect vessels. That we who are just seething out sin into the world can still contain Jesus Christ. That we are capable of carrying forth the greatest gift the world has ever known and received because it is the will of God and not the worthiness of the vessel. So as we gather here this day, and as we're preparing ourselves for a holy Lent, as we are equipping ourselves in whatever means are possible, it is time for us to realize that it cannot all stay in here. That Lent is not about just adding a little extra scripture to my day, or one extra prayer time, or I'm going to read a little something that makes me warm and fuzzy. And benedict it with amen. Instead, it's about realizing that we have work to do. That God has called us for purpose. That God is equipping us even now. And sometimes equipping means recognizing our weakness. Sometimes equipping means that we realize that we can't do this all on our own. Isn't God marvelous to have given us one another? Because I can't do it on my own. There are far too many who gather with me where God's strength is made manifest in the overcoming of my weakness. And so it shall be with you. Jesus not only modeled for us what it means to go forth, to go out, to send God's love out into the world, but then Jesus showed us that we were going to have to do it too. He took those early apostles and he paired them up and he blessed them. Not like that, but he blessed them. And he told them to go out and do the things that I have shown you to do. Go out and model what I have modeled for you. I have told you to go and bless and teach and speak and love and feed my lambs. 
Go forth and do this and heal them. Bring them the healing that only God can bring. And off he sent them, two by two. And they went out into the world, and it was quasi-successful. Some of them came back and said, there's this boy, and we can't, we can't heal him, and we don't know what the problem is. And Jesus says, your faith, your faith is the problem. If you have the faith, you will heal him. If you have the faith, you will do things that the world says are ridiculous. They are irrational. Why would a human being work so hard for their money, work so hard for an income only to bring it here? Why would a human being work so hard, endless hours, sacrificing time and energy and resources only to take what is received and send it to parts of the world they've never been for people they don't know and will never meet? Why would you do that? Because we are vessels of God's grace. Because in us, God has promised this world blessing, pardon, and love. We become the containers by which God is sending Christ back out into the world once more. By grace, we have been saved. And by grace alone will we do the work that Jesus has tasked for Christians for all time. This is who we are and what we do because Christ has ordained it. And so we prepare ourselves to go out into the world and to radically change lives in the hope that the world will one day be transformed. That one day, more and more, we will turn on the news and it will be less about murder and hatred and violence. And it will be more and more about transformation and opportunity and blessing. I know what you're thinking. The media is never going to play that. They will if we demand it. They will if it's what we require of them. Because what we require is that we fulfill our purpose, called by God for God's work. And what God requires of us is an earnest heart and attempt, because we cannot earn through our good works. Now, there are other faiths, there are other denominations that do think that you can work your way into heaven. Good luck. You can't. But instead, our good works are a glimpse of the world into what we can do because of God. And we will try to do good works and we will fail. We will try to do things right and we will sin. And that is the most disheartening and hurtful sin of all. When you try to do something right, when you try to do something good, when you try to do something in the name of Jesus Christ and you bungle it. But by grace we are saved. And so, with boldness, with courage, we will go forth to try and try again and again and again. Because until this place is beyond standing room only and the fire marshal shuts us down, until I have children lined up around the block aching to get into the preschool, until we have emptied ourselves of every moment of every day and all the resources God has placed in our hands and we have completed every mission and ministry in the name of Jesus Christ that we can, our brains can't even conceive of anything else, and we know that the kingdom is here, then we have work to do. 
And we will strive and we will push and we will go forth and we will do this work because this is what God ordains. God has called us to do this. And we often wonder why. What's the point? Is it going to make a difference? Of course it makes a difference. What we do transforms lives. I came into to the office this morning, and at 7 a.m., I opened up my mail, and this had come for me. And I want to read you this. This is a letter that I received that says, I am just letting you know that I am grateful for having you sponsoring me. I just don't know how else to express my gratitude to you. You are very special to me. Without your help, I wouldn't be at school today. May God guide you each and every day. May he pour his blessing upon you. May he give you understanding and knowledge to lead his children to the right path. For the Bible says that with God, everything is possible. Thank you once more. I hope you and your family are fine. With love, Dominga Shack. in Belize, in a place I have never been. There is a young woman who is not yet 18. She lives in a place where children don't get to go to high school without paying for it. She lives in a place where people say, you are better off using your muscles than your mind. You are better off going out to work than sitting here and learning. Where people say, with their actions... I don't love you enough to invest in this. And so she would have been sent out into the world, a truncated future. Instead, this congregation raised the money to send her to high school. And she is grateful. She does not know you. If she saw you, she wouldn't know who you were. But because of what you have done, Christ has entered into her world, has completely transformed her future, and has let her know that there are those who, in the name of Jesus Christ, are willing to invest in her. That she is worthy of this hope. And that's what we have given her. We have given her hope. When she says, I don't know how else to express my gratitude to you. You are very special to me. In between the words, in this space, there is amen and hallelujah and thanks be to God. And she will grow up to be an amazing woman who recounts for others in cities and in nations that I will never see that God is good and that God's promise is for everyone, not just the people of Crozet, not just people of the United States, but for everyone. And it is only because of Christ in you that this will be the truth. We change lives when we go forth and send God's love out. We have done it for her. You can read it in her words. Domingo is not the first, and by God, she will not be the last. For you and I, 
we have work to do. So this season, this time, when we are preparing our hearts and our homes and our lives to celebrate that Christ is risen, we have to be asking ourselves, where can we send our love next? Where is God calling us to go? Because we know what God is calling us to do. May it be so. And may Dominga be but one amazing child of God who encounters Jesus Christ in the people of Crozet United Methodist Church. May it be so in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful, and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 8.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.